Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues on in the Bible series on the book of Romans with this message entitled, Patient Waning. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 23. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Patient waiting. And if you are Greek scholars, four points. Stenadzomen, ekomen, elpizomen, and hupomenomen. We groan, we have, we hope, and we endure. Those who are complaining and murmuring, learn something today and stop it. Learn what it means to endure, what it means to wait with endurance. That's what the text is telling us. Verse 25 of Romans 8, but if we are hoping for that which we do not see, we wait for it patiently. God doesn't spoil his children. He will teach us endurance through God-ordained troubles and trials, whether we like it or not. Patient waiting or perseverance of the saints In paradise, Adam was warned that he must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. But he ate it anyway. And he did die groaning. And all his descendants die groaning. The creation itself, we noticed, is dying. Second law of thermodynamics. For God subjected it to futility, slavery, and decay. To punish man the sinner. But God subjected creation and the elect children of God in hope of deliverance. As Professor Hendrickson says, temporal suffering was the result of sin, but eternal glory is the result of God's grace. The Proto-Evangelion gives hope to creation and the children of God. So we read in Genesis 3.15, and I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The seed of the woman is Jesus Christ. And we learn from the scripture even he groaned and died. His substitutionary death destroyed our death 
and the decay of creation. And so creation and the children of God, we learned, are craning their heads, awaiting patiently their coming incomparable glory and splendor. In this present age, we as well as creation grown, as I observed before, we, the children of God, are not friends exempt from sufferings. But we together with creation grown in hope of the glory of God, which is sure, which is future, and which is beyond imagination in its magnitude and luminosity. Point one, we groan. Yes, creation is groaning and travailing in pain, in hope of giving birth to a new heaven and a new earth where dwells righteousness, where there is no futility, slavery, or decay, but only everlasting life. But Paul is saying in this text, not only creation is groaning, but all children of God everywhere are groaning too. We too experience the effects of sin in our lives. We suffer for Christ's sake. We are hated, persecuted, slandered. The people of God experience torture, jeers, flogging, stoning. They are chained and thrown to the lions. So Stephen was stoned to death. James was beheaded. Paul was cut down by the sword. And Peter was crucified. Look at our own bodies. They are dying, wasting away, and soon they will die. We live 70, or by reason of strength, 80 years, yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, and they quickly pass, and we fly away, said Moses, who witnessed the death of thousands of his people. Do not believe the televangelists who would promise to heal you for a generous contribution. They do not heal, they cannot heal. Paul said in Romans 8:17, "We suffer with Christ in order that we may be glorified together with Him. We groan, we groan all of our lives, as the Greek text indicates we sigh due to pain and persecution we groan in bed we groan privately we keep our sighs to ourselves and God who comforts us in all our troubles Jesus Christ the son of God groaned also at the tomb of Lazarus as he saw people weeping for his friend Lazarus who died. He groaned as he encountered death 
the wages of sin. He groaned at the wicked unbelief of the people. So we read in John 11 verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. At Gethsemane also he groaned. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. St. Paul speaks of his own groaning as he faced the prospect of death. 2 Corinthians 5, now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked, for while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. Number two, we have. We have something that the unbelievers do not have. We have, we possess, and it is good to find out what we possess. We possess the Holy Spirit. The unbelievers are without God and without eternal life and without hope. They grieve when someone dies, but they grieve without hope of ever seeing the person again. But Paul says God's children, though they possess the Holy Spirit, groan daily. It's a surprise. One might expect believers in whom Holy Spirit dwells not groan, but always smile and be very happy. No. Believers in Jesus Christ, yes, Spirit-filled believers also groan in this life of the present age. They desire the groan to end and be in the new age of perfect peace and happiness. Unlike the children of this age, the citizens of heaven who have the Holy Spirit groan eagerly waiting, waiting in expectation of their full inheritance as God's sons. As children of God, we are waiting for the redemption of our bodies. This is the right of God's adopted sons. They have received the spirit of adoption. As sons of God, their body is dead because of sin, but their spirit is alive because the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But thank God... God has a salvation plan for our bodies also. 
As God raised Jesus Christ from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, He will raise us up also by the operation of the indwelling Spirit of Christ. The resurrection of Christ is the guarantee of our resurrection. The indwelling Holy Spirit also guarantees our resurrection and transformation. Friends, groaning is temporal. Groaning is not our final destiny. Glory is our final destiny. We suffer now in order to be glorified. We are people of God, children of God by adoption. And we read about that in verse 23. Adoption has three phases. God has elected us to adoption from all eternity as we read in Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his son through Jesus Christ. From all eternity God adopted us as his sons. And in time and history God adopted us by giving us his Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 15, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again, but you received spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That's the second phase, but the third phase is coming when Christ is revealed in all his glory. We shall also be revealed in glory. We shall be revealed as sons when we inherit sons full inheritance of a glorified body. That's what Romans 8, 23 is speaking about. We are groaning. Even though we have Holy Spirit, we are groaning. Earnestly expecting our adoption, which is the redemption of our bodies. We have the Holy Spirit, sir. We have Holy Spirit. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Sealing of the Holy Spirit. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit for this purpose of the fullness of redemption. That we may obtain full rights of sons in the future. Ephesians 1.13 And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. Marked, branded. There is a mark on you which identifies you as belonging to God. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 22, God set his seal on us and put his spirit in our hearts. Seal consisting of the Holy Ghost. God has sealed all his children. God has put a mark on us. This seal is the Holy Ghost. You cannot belong to Christ 
without this mark, this seal, this branding. You cannot be a Christian without Holy Spirit dwelling in you. This sealing authenticates us as God's true children. Holy Spirit filled children of God, friends, live a holy life. This seal of the Holy Spirit shows we are a treasure for God. We are God's portion and inheritance. We are precious to God. We are God's precious jewels. The seal shows this. So we read in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 9, For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted inheritance. Just think of it, sir. We are the treasure for God. And God is our portion and our treasure. Malachi 3 verse 17, And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. And I'll spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Think about it. We are God's treasure. This spirit seal shows God is our honor. We belong to God. We belonged once to Satan. No more. Oh, what dignity we now have. We belong to God. The seal of the Holy Spirit shows also we are secure. God sees to it that no harm will happen to us. God sees to it that his treasure and jewels are forever secure. And this seal of the Holy Spirit also distinguishes us from the godless, wicked world. We have, we have Holy Spirit, sir. We have Holy Spirit as a parquet, as first fruits. Verse 23. Children of God have the first fruits consisting in the Spirit. This is an agricultural metaphor. First fruits points to and guarantees a harvest. There is a harvest coming. A harvest consisting in our full salvation of not only of our spirit, but also our body. A glorious, physical, yeah. sinless body. Yeah. Jesus Christ himself is spoken of as first fruits in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 and 23. The resurrection of Jesus Christ guarantees the resurrection of all who belong to him. Not only that, this Holy Spirit we have is described as deposits. This is a commercial metaphor. Holy Spirit is the deposit, the down payment, guaranteeing the final payment, completing the transaction. As down payment, Holy Spirit guarantees our full salvation of spirit, soul, and body when Jesus Christ comes again. 
and as believers in Jesus Christ who have the seal the first fruits and the deposit consisting in the Holy Ghost we are guaranteed of our full inheritance the redemption of our bodies this is the cause for our rejoicing in hope of the glory of God and hope does not disappoint us Romans 5 5 because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us yes friends we are taught by Saint Paul Holy Spirit has set us free from the law of sin and death we even now walk according to the Spirit we have the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit permanently dwells in us this Holy Spirit is leading us in our spiritual journey for us many of us are being led by the Spirit of God they are the sons of God we are told we are the temple of the Holy Spirit he is the Spirit of the Lord Spirit of wisdom Spirit of counsel Spirit of knowledge Spirit of understanding Spirit of power and spirit who produces in us true fear of God that keeps us from sinning he is the other comforter he is the other shepherd he is the one who convicts us when we sin he glorifies always Jesus Christ yes we groan in our present sufferings but that is not all we do by the Spirit of God we rejoice we rejoice in tribulations also we rejoice always for the joy of the Lord is our strength fruit of the Spirit is joy even now in our suffering we are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy in view of our redemption redemption of our bodies number three we hope help it so men we hope sir we are a people of hope we are hoping a hope that will not disappoint us the Philippian jailer asked Saint Paul what must I do to be saved believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved you and your household Paul replied He says in verse 24 for in hope we were saved but our salvation comes to us in installments our spirit is alive now but our body is dead and dying for our second installment of body salvation we must wait but we are saved in hope of it salvation has three tenses the past tense we are told here in verse 24 we were saved in hope as men we were saved in hope that's past but then first Corinthians 1 18 and it tells us we who are being saved 
For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And not only that, our salvation is also future. Romans 5, 9 and 10, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath? Shall we be saved? So te someta. Shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? When we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more having been reconciled shall we be saved in his life? If somebody asks you, are you saved? The answer is what? I am saved, and I am being saved, and I will be saved. I have been justified, being sanctified, and will be glorified. Look at the argument. If Christ loved me and died for me when I was powerless, ungodly, a terrible sinner, and an enemy of God, how much more? Shall we be saved in his life now that I am justified and reconciled and adopted as God's sons? Friends, he died to save me and he lives to save me. This hope was revealed in Genesis 3.15. The seed of the woman will crush Satan. The stronger one has come and has defeated the strong one, Satan, and set us free totally. Christ has defeated by his death and resurrection sin, Satan, the world, and the flesh. Soon we shall be redeemed in our bodies. For we are saved in hope of this full salvation which Christ has purchased for us. This hope is certain. There is no condition or contingency about it. This hope does not disappoint us. For God has guaranteed it by sending the Holy Ghost into our hearts who daily points us to this glorious future of our full salvation. Our present salvation, friends, is incomplete. We are half saved. Sin is still in us. Outward man is what? Wasting away. We live in a fallen world that hates Jesus Christ. We have received the engagement ring of the Holy Ghost. We wait eagerly for the wedding ring. Soon our bridegroom will come to take his glorious bride to himself, a radiant bride without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So forget about all the anti-aging creams <laughs> that promises to make you wrinkle-free. It's a lie. You lose your money. Soon we shall hear the heavenly shouting. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. 
and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. Engagement. Not yet married. And it's coming. And we are waiting, not in anguish, but in eagerness. Man's promise disappoints. Let God be true. And every man a liar. That's and today we have come to a time when lying has become normal. But God is truth and he speaks truth. So we hope in God. God's promise fills us with hope. The Bible says our triune God is a God of hope. Romans 15 verse 13 May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. God is a God of hope. First Timothy 1 verse 9 Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. This God cannot lie. His word is truth. John 17, 17. God not only makes promises of our eternal salvation, but because we are sinners still, he confirms them with an oath that we may be doubly certain the fulfillment of these promises. Let me read it to you from Hebrews 6, beginning with verse 13. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things, promise and oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Yes, we were saved in hope. Hope is based on faith in God's promises. Faith substantiates hope. Hope that is hoped for things, our future final salvation. Friends, this hope is not like a kite driven by uncertain wind. This hope is an anchor that goes into the eternal world 
This anchor is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus Christ who died for our sins and was raised for our justification. This anchor of hope is Jesus Christ who has gone through the heavens into the presence of the Father to make intercession for us as our high priest. This Jesus Christ is seated on Father's right hand as King of kings and Lord of lords. It is his mission to save us fully for which he comes again. This anchor, Jesus Christ, stabilizes our souls and keeps them in hope. Like an anchor holding a ship safely in position, even so, friends, amid all storms of this present life, our anchor holds, our anchor, Jesus Christ, who is moved to God himself, keeps our souls steady, and so we have great calm in the depths of our life. No wonder Jesus said, don't be anxious. So we not only groan, but rejoice in tribulations. Yes, we are saved in hope. This hope provides security and stability for our souls. Romans 8, 37 through 39, knowing all these things, we are more than conquered. Knowing all these things, we super conquer. That means we are active, we are fighting, and we super conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's the anchor, sir. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says hope is the measure of true Christianity, which is true and true otherworldly. Paul says hope is our helmet. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. We think in hope. We meditate in hope. We labor in hope. And we die in hope. Hope in God who will give us redemption of our bodies, which is even now stored up in heaven for us. So Paul says, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. Peter says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you. Enjoy your salvation. Yes, we groan. But we have Holy Spirit, and we have hope. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to exercise our minds, our renewed minds, that we may understand your great plan of salvation, that we may enjoy 
this salvation which you have brought about by the death of your own son on the cross, we are saved. We are being saved. And we will be saved. Hallelujah. You have already given us eternal life. And we live in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. So God, help us not to murmur and complain and be fatigued, not to give up, but to keep on keeping on. Help us to wait patiently for the revelation of Jesus Christ. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of this message entitled, Patient Waiting. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.